Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to another Baseball America College podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I am John Manuel. This season's college podcast is sponsored by Project Lomo. Logan Morrison of the Miami Marlins lost his dad to cancer in 2010 and has worked tirelessly for a cause he cares about, fighting lung cancer. Now he's asking young fans to find a cause they care about and do something about it. Last Wednesday, Logan visited Miami High School to officially launch this program and address an audience of more than 300 students. You can learn about it at projectlomo.mlblogs.com. It's a great initiative, and the young fans who do the most amazing projects will have a chance to go to a Marlins game, meet Logan Morrison and some of his teammates, throw out the first pitch, and win $1,000. Once again, that's projectlomo.mlblogs.com sponsoring our podcast this year and aaron uh we're glad to have a another uh, college podcast sponsor this year and project lomo it just sounds awesome yeah and you know last week uh the day they launched this thing you know i saw logan tweeted something out about it and you could tell he's very excited about it i went ahead and retweeted it you know and get some get some more attention out there not, not that i have nearly as many followers as logan morrison has but uh uh you know it's it's a pretty cool thing and and certainly i hope uh hope all of our our listeners check it out. Yeah, I mean Logan Morrison was one of the first big leaguers who really just really took to Twitter and made it a, made it a big deal. Um, yeah. they, it really kind of showed. I shouldn't say he made it a big deal. He's a guy who showed that athletes could kind of break down that wall and that uh, basically guys like us uh, weren't necessarily needed. You know, you could just talk right to the athletes. Uh, right. At least reporters on the ground. Um, you know, I still think are needed, but there's. Uh, just getting quotes isn't enough anymore. I think, Aaron, we do need expert analysis from people like you to sift out a very confusing college baseball landscape, which at the top is quite defined. We know who our top teams are. Some of the top seven teams have been some permutation of North Carolina, Vanderbilt, LSU, Cal State, Florida, NC State, Oregon State, Virginia for a decent amount of time. I guess most of the year you had Florida State in there instead of NC State, but the Wolfpack back basically where they were the preseason. When they were number eight, the top ten teams sure seem like they've been, uh, you know, the top twelve really in our rankings right now have been our teams that have been there for all, most of the year. The top yeah. fifteen is fairly defined, but the back of the rankings have been a cluster all year. It's just been a, a real difficult chore sorting out those teams at the back of our rankings. So we need guys like you to tell us which team should be there. And uh, this week at the back of our top twenty-five rankings, a uh, real interesting discussion. We wound up bringing in two big uh, Big East teams, and neither one of them is Notre Dame, which uh, lost a series to South Florida. But the South Florida Bulls, whom you wrote about last week in Three Strikes, are in there, and Pittsburgh, which has been written about in Three Strikes this year. And I guess actually that was a streaking blog earlier in the year, back when we had a separate college blog, and they went, won that series at Pittsburgh, I mean at Wichita State. But South Florida and Pittsburgh both in the rankings this week, and three Big East teams in the rankings – uh, are there going to be three Big East, Big East teams in the field of 64? Are there going to be four Big East teams in the field of 64? How, first off, uh, the bigger question, how the Big East, uh, how did things align for the Big East to have such a, a big year in college baseball? Well, you know, it's I think part of it, John, is is the new RPI formula has benefited Northern teams as it was intended to. 
um, you know, the, this this new formula rewards road wins um, more than home wins, and these Big East teams, for the most part, have had to travel. You know, for the first several weeks of the season, you're on the road when you're you're playing. You know, you play in New York, New Jersey, or something. I mean, right. uh, so so as a whole, that, that boosts the league's RPI, and you know, which, which helps the teams at the top. Um, and now, you know, you, these teams have been good. They've just, you know, the, you've got some good clubs that have been very consistent, won a lot of games. I mean, Louisville, 37 and 10, Pittsburgh's 36 and 11, um, you know, gaudy overall records. And then you got, you know, Notre Dame uh, and South Florida are both right in the mix from an RPI standpoint. Obviously, this weekend was a little bit of a setback for Notre Dame, but they're still um, 33 in the in the Warren Nolan RPI that I'm looking at at the moment. Um, and, and, you know, and, and South Florida's had to come a long way. I mean, they were outside the top 100, I think, for a while, and now they're way up to number 52. Um, so they're right in the mix for that large, and they're red hot. They won 17 out of 18 games. I mean, you look at South Florida's resume, um, you know, and, and they're a different team now than they were the first half, first several weeks of the season. I mean, the light kind of switched on for them, uh, and since then, you know, they, they've got that nice sweep over Pitt. Now they got a road series win at Notre Dame. Um, you know, they've been sweeping other series against the lesser teams in the league. Um, you know, so they're taking care of business. I mean, they're five and seven against the top 50. So they've got 12 games against the top 50 in the RPI and they've won five of them. That's respectable. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and they're doing it with pitching and defense and, and timely hitting and manufacturing runs. I mean, it's a formula we see a lot with successful teams in college baseball right now. Um, you know, it, it's it's it, they're not going to blow you away offensively, um, but they, you know, they, they battle and, and it's not, it's not huge arms either with this team. I mean, it's strike throwers. Right. I mean, it's, uh, this isn't, you know, they, they do have a couple of, a couple of good arms and a couple of guys that are, are good prospects, but this team, you know, they're not going to wow you. Um, but they're, they're playing well. And, and I think they deserve to be ranked based on their resume. And right now I think they're on track to, to get in that large bid too. It really does seem Aaron, like the big East, even if Notre Dame, which has the highest RPI, doesn't get an at-large berth. It still feels like this could be a four-bid league as you had them in the midweek stock report. Um, I know I'm on the Seton Hall bandwagon. Uh, I feel like I'm not, I feel like I'm the only one. Um, <laughs> but am I crazy or is Seton Hall got a real shot right now? There are sure. RPIs in that 40 range. I just feel like even if Notre Dame doesn't get in, that Seton Hall will. I mean, this is a team that just keep, they've won nine in a row. Um, I know they don't have a real loud resume as far as the team they've beaten. Most of the teams they've beaten have been the not as good teams in the Big East. They're making hay against some of the teams that are not as good. But the, you know, we talked about a couple weeks ago. They had this, you know, Villanova and Cincinnati were are, are, have had bad seasons, and they went on the road and swept both those series. If they win this series this weekend at home against South Florida, and then they beat St. John's, I gotta feel like Seton Hall is gonna be the team that. That gets into regionals. They've gotten into regionals recently. They got an ace and John Prasinski, who I think we both think is a, a yeah. definite dude, a really good college pitcher. Uh, they've got a slugger in Sal Annunziato at a nice summer in the Coastal Plain League. He's got some power. They steal a ton of bases. This is a. I think that Seton Hall's a sleeper. Tell, tell me I'm wrong on Seton Hall. No, I think you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. And and they're right now they're number 42 in the RPI. And you know the 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 RPI needs report says these guys can can get in the top 32 if they win all their last six games. And if they win five out of six, um, then they're, you're still in the top 45. Now, that's going to be a little hard because South Florida is obviously red hot. And they got they got South Florida coming up next. But and it's St. at home. St. John's is good. You know, and St. John's, 
St. John's is just okay. I mean, they're not actually. I don't think they are very good. They're twenty and thirty overall. I mean, it's not a. I don't it's know. It's an I Eddie mean, Blank. It's an Eddie Blank's ball club. You know they're going to battle. That's right. That's right. Eddie Blank's clubs won't won't give you anything. But, um, yeah. I mean, St. John's uh, or Seton Hall, rather. Excuse me. They're 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 alive. I mean, they're right here in the mix. So you're looking at Pittsburgh, South Florida, Louisville, Seton Hall, and Notre Dame. You've got five teams here with legitimate regional chances. And and I think you know the way. The last couple of weeks in the Big East tournament play out will be huge, but I think this could be a four-bid league. And, and you know, I know that sounds crazy. You know, maybe you're thinking that won't happen. Maybe we'll just take three teams in some order. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there's a new reality now with this RPI. It changes It changes the landscape a little bit. Um, if, if it means we take, you know, four Big East teams instead of two, I don't think that's a bad thing, especially since it's a good league this year. Yeah, those those four teams have to be have to have earned it, and I, I do feel like you know these teams have done some things to earn that. I'm 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 very impressed by uh, Seton Hall's ability to come back from that 0-9 start and uh, and not pack it up and pack it in, and uh, I, I don't know how much of an RPI bump they're getting from sweeping that series at Pepperdine, but that's pretty that's pretty loud. I do think yeah, also you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was interrupting you, John, but but um, I think. Loud. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. I think, first of all, that I'm going to be very curious. I just want to interject this point. I'm going to be very curious to see if the if the committee still uses the RPI as such a hard and fast guideline as it has in the past. Or, or I wonder if this year, you know, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see now that there's a new RPI formula, they still value it. You still have to basically be in the top 50 to get a bid. Um, or, you know, will they, I don't know. I mean, will they disregard the RPI because they don't like the results? I don't know. That's very I'm, possible. I'm yeah, curious great, to see how that happens. That's a great point. That's a really, really interesting point. If they, they, they've, there's been this significant change in the RPI, and we've noticed. I think it's undeniable that it's helping northern teams in the. It's helping the less. It's helping the little guy in Mercer, South Alabama. Some of these teams that are good program. They've, they've been good programs or good teams or in the past they'd be good mid majors. All of a sudden, you're looking at those teams with really gaudy RPI numbers, and yeah. uh, you know you have some teams like Stanford and Arizona that don't. I mean, they haven't had great years, but um, it, it just it's it, it, the RPI just looks different uh, than it, than it has in the past. There's no doubt about that. I think part of that's just the increased parity that's calculated. So um, it's the Baseball American College podcast with John Manuel and Aaron Fit. Um, Aaron is back now from our little technical difficulty there, but Aaron. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, the, the other league that I think is fighting to get four bids, I think there are a lot of traditional power leagues. There are a couple, I should say, that you think of as traditionally better leagues in the Big East that are going to get fewer bids. And one of them is Conference USA. I think that's a given. The Conference USA had a really brutal year this year. But the other one in there to me is the Big 12. But it seems like the Big 12 is starting to make a little bit of a run, Aaron, at getting four bids. And part of that is Oklahoma coming down. Part of it is the, the Sunflower State, Kansas and Kansas State having strong years. Uh, Baylor's kind of in that mix, I guess not really. But coming on like a freaking freight train is West by God, Virginia. They win two out of three this weekend against Oklahoma. You've written about West Virginia. It's, it's, it's another South Florida scene here. And Aaron, they're pitching and defense team that just tries to mm. scratch out a run. No, I think that's actually not okay. probably. Um, I think they're more of an offensive team. I think they're very athletic. Um, you know, I think when you look at their, they, they really have the one pitcher who 
Yeah, you know, is, is, I think a legit. Uh, no, it, uh, Harrison Musgrave. I'm, he's I'm the guy that's them in Appalachia State. They're both Mountaineers. <laughs> gotcha. But um, you know, this this West Virginia team to me is, you know, they're they're first of all, you have to give the coaching staff a lot of credit because this team has overachieved. You know, Randy Mays even used that word. Um, when I talked to him a couple weeks ago, he said, you know, on pitching in particular has overachieved because based on talent, there's not a lot of arms here, um, you know, that have, that are, that are great. I mean, Harrison Musgrave is a very good arm and he's had a very, very good year. He's, you know, he might be the pitcher of the year in the big 12 at times as well. I mean, John Gray's going to be the pitcher of the year, but, um, you know, he's, he's on the short list. Um, but you know, I mean, Corey Walter's got a really good arm arm for them, but he's been erratic. He's been up and down. Um, and then they've had guys that just kind of compete, you know, John Means and Dan Deerdorf. Um, but, you know, and Paul Pascal has been fantastic at the back of the bullpen. But, you know, the, the pitching staff, they, they've done enough. I mean, really, you got to give the coaching staff credit and then give the pitchers credit because they've, they've competed hard. Uh, but this is, a, this is a good offensive team. they got some power. You know, Ryan McBroom's got some pop in there. Um, you know, Ryan Tuntland's had a fantastic year for them. Right. Um, you know, kind of their he's kind of their best overall hitter. You know, he hits for average, he hits for a little bit of pop, you know, drives the gap some, but the team has a lot of speed. They run the bases very aggressively. They um, you know, Brady Wilson is, is a really good athlete. You know, he can fly and he might not be the fastest guy on the team. Um, you know, Bobby Boyd, I think, is faster. Um, so you know, that that's that's what stands out about this team is the athleticism. You know, up and down the lineup, you got a guys with occasional power. I mean, it's, you know, um, mostly it's McBroom and Frazier and maybe Ryan Tuntland that, that can drive the ball out of the park. But this team is, you know, they, they are, they're going to have guys drafted. I mean, they've got talent on offense. And, um, you know, compared to most of the other teams in this league, they're more offensive than, than Oklahoma. Yeah, um, yeah. They scored 18 you know, runs so. those last two games. And Oklahoma's certainly a little crippled with Dylan Overton out with, what is it, a muscle strain in his forearm? Yeah, something like it's it's somewhere near his elbow. I'm not exactly sure where it is, but yeah, he's supposedly he's going to be back. They said he could be back for Bedlam next week. Um, they might be more conservative and hold him back another week, but he he won't, he he should be back shortly. The MRI is clean. How much do you think the committee, or should the committee? Maybe this is a different question. How much should the committee give West Virginia credit for, considering that even their home series are road series? I mean, uh, they played yeah. and they played West Oklahoma this weekend in Charleston, which is clearly off campus. They played Kansas and Beckley, West Virginia. They're basically ride a bus, sleep in a hotel for pretty much every game, whether it's home or road, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It's 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 been. I think it should be a consideration. I mean, I really do. It's an extenuating circumstance here. I mean, this is, you know, this is a team that's that's 11 and 10 in true road games. They're 14 and three in, in quote unquote home games. Um, you know, and and it's, <laughs> I think it's a factor. I mean, when you're when you're having to leave campus every week, um, who nobody else is having to do that. I mean, that's. You know, and it's not like they're going right down the street here. I mean, Beckley is is a hall. Um, Charleston is still a little bit of a ways from Morgantown, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not real familiar with West Virginia geography, but I know that it's not not right down the street. <laughs> it's 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 a couple hours, I think, for all these. And I, I gotta give other thing we gotta give West Virginia credit besides just the fact that Rainy Mays has done a great job. The fact they're tied for first place in this league is obviously a tremendous job. But their fans have also really come up Aaron you just go through that they had 3200 on Friday night like 2500 Saturday they had 2500 midweek against Pittsburgh I know that's a rivalry game but that was on campus they had 2500 uh, on campus for a West Virginia Pittsburgh game so let's give the West by God Virginia fans some credit for for coming out and uh you know for coming out strong and I think the other part of this is let's give 
you know, I think some real credit to uh, I, I think I, I think you have to give real credit to these fans uh, and this program and, and for Andrew Luck's dad. I forget his name, but he's the AD there and hiring mm. Randy Maisie. I mean, Randy Maisie. Uh, let's talk briefly about this, Aaron. But Randy Maisie, there were very few coaching free agents out there this offseason. Number one, who would have taken the job at West Virginia. And number two, who had a 50-win season on their resume like Randy Maisie. But guy has been a, a top-flight head coach at ACC, TCU, ACC schools, TCU, replaced Keith LeClaire at East Carolina, left there under a cloud. Certainly things did not end the way that he thought it would. And there was some on-field and some off-field stuff there. And there's a reason why he didn't. He wasn't a head coach somewhere else because there was – I think he was perceived, for lack of a better phrase, as a little bit of damaged goods. But what a job he's done at West Virginia. I think West Virginia, I think he was, this was just a case of the perfect fit of a guy who's good enough to be a, a high-level Big 12 head coach and who has a good resume, but you know the reason West Virginia could get him was because there were some other parts of the resume that other schools didn't want to touch, and, and it's just been a perfect marriage. Yeah, and, you know, the guy can really coach. That's the bottom line. Everyone that who, is the bottom line. You know, Everyone who who has coached with and against him and knows him, um, you know, rave about his his ability to to do you know to to get the most out of his players. I mean, he did a great job at TCU. You know, I had I had Ray Birmingham, you know, New Mexico, texting me yesterday about how great a job Maisie is and how great of a coach he is. Um, you know, just it's people have noticed what this program has done, and it's 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 a big deal. I mean, for them to be where they are right now. I mean, they now for them to get into a regional. You know, from an RPI standpoint, they need to win out to get into the top 45, according to this RPI needs report, which is not, you know, it's not precise, but it's a good guideline. I mean, they still have RPI work to do. And, you know, the remaining series, you got you got uh, TCU coming up and then at Oklahoma State. So it's still not going to be easy, but they're playing well. You know, they're playing as well as any team in the Big 12 right now, maybe better um, than any team in the Big 12 right now. You know, they've, they've won uh, four straight series. The two of them on the road at Liberty, at Texas, and then Kansas and Oklahoma. So I mean, they're they've got some momentum. Um, it, it's it's a neat story. Now, Kansas State has the highest RPI of any Big 12 team. Ho hum, they went on the road and beat Texas two out of three. We talked about the Longhorns last yeah. week on the Google Plus Hangout. I know Bedlam is what they call it in Oklahoma when Oklahoma and Oklahoma State play. What's the Kansas Kansas State series called? <laughs> I, I, I don't nickname? know. I mean, some kind of uh, the, the sun, the sunflower showdown. I, I don't know. That's it, but, <laughs> but that's a pretty big one. Uh, Kansas State has a uh, twice the RPI that uh, Kansas has. Kansas, according to what I'm looking at, Kansas is at 48. Kansas State's at 24 on BoydsWorld.com. But I mean, if Kansas wins that series, is Kansas in? I mean, are both teams? It looks like both teams are, have a real shot to get at large bids. Yeah, I think Kansas State's in really good shape, regardless. Uh, at this. Point. I mean, like you said, the RPI is pretty good. Um, now, they do have two d- difficult series remaining at Kansas and then home against Oklahoma. Right. They could conceivably lose both those series. If, let's say they go one and five in those games, then maybe you're in trouble because then you're 12 and 13 in the league. Um, you know, they, they still would probably finish in the top 45. I mean, the, the RPI news report says they win one road game or one ho- – they just win one game. Uh, they'll still finish in the top 32. So I, I think they're probably still going to get in. Um, but, you know, it'll be better not to get swept in those last two series. That is but can, sure. you know, Kansas has a little more RPI work to do. Um, and, and in the standings, you know, they're, they're, they've got a little more work to do. But, you know, getting, getting swept last weekend by West Virginia, um, 
hurt right. Kansas's cup, but they're still only they're right in the mix in the pack in the Big Twelve. They're they're twelve and nine, um, you know, so they're they're not far back. They they finished at Utah non conference series, um, you know, in in two weeks after they play Kansas State. So, um, th- this this is just a weird league. I mean, it's hard to get a handle on it. Baylor had been playing well. Baylor's been up and down and up and down. It seems like all year, um, you know, two weeks. Weeks ago, they Baylor had won a big series and put themselves back in the mix for an at-large uh, at, by sweeping Texas. And then last week, they go to Kansas and get swept. And now I think they're back out of, of that large spot here, uh, which is where they had been three weeks ago. You know, if they lost the series to TCU. So, I mean, it's just right. up and down and up and down with Baylor. Uh, but that's an important series for Kansas. And, and right now, I like Kansas's chances more than Baylor's. That's for sure. And both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, I mean – Am I crazy? Is Oklahoma not a cinch to get in here? I mean, like, mm. their RPI is right there next to Oklahoma State's. I mean, I guess what I'm – first off, let's talk about this Bedlam series. I mean, this is a, usually a very, very well-attended series, one of the better rivalries in college baseball. I mean, it's a, it's a great rivalry anyway, but it seems like it has a little bit more import in college baseball. Oklahoma has a national championship back in 1994. Oklahoma State has been to Omaha a ton of times over the years. You, know, you have one game in Tulsa, two in Oklahoma City, so you have – Big, uh, you know, big professional parks that these two teams usually sell out. Um, but Oklahoma, a little little funk here, a little Kyle Funkhauser here. Um, you know, you, you, they just haven't played very well lately. What is it, six and seven in their last thirteen games, and three of those wins are New Orleans. We talked about Dylan Overton right. being hurt. Um, then they, they after the Bedlam series, like you said, they finish at Oklahoma. I mean, at Kansas State. So uh, I don't know. I I'm wondering. If both these teams do pretty well down the stretch, say they go one and two, one of them goes one and two. Yeah, they, there's a one and two in the Bedlam series, and they both win that final series. I mean, could this be a five or six bid league even? Even though it feels like it should be like a three or four bid league, it feels like there's a lot of bunching up here. There is a lot of bunching. Yeah, I think you know you could get Kansas State, Oklahoma, Kansas. Um, Oklahoma State, I could see it being those four. I still think West Virginia is a long, long shot. I, I still think Baylor's probably not going to get in now. Okay. So I think you're, you're looking at three or four. It still feels to me like the more likely scenario. So the most likely <clears throat> permutation is that the Big 12 sends four teams, and they're from the states of Oklahoma and Kansas. So no, I think so. And, and so we've talked about this briefly. I know we talked about it yesterday in our Top 200 meeting a little bit with Jim Callis. Conference USA is going to send a, a, a more than likely going to send a team from Texas in Rice. But how many teams from the state of Texas are going to get into regionals and how many are going to, is anyone from the state of Texas going to host? Will there be any regionals in the state of Texas? No, no, I, I really don't think so. I mean, Rice still has an outside chance, but it's, I don't, I don't like their case very much. I think they've got a lot of work to do. Um, and then that's it. There's nobody else who's even in the discussion to host in that state. It's brutal. Um, the only other team that might even get into a regional at this point now, I guess Baylor's still alive, but uh, I don't like I don't like their case very much. But I think Sam Houston right. State is probably the other team that you're looking at here. I mean, the Southland. Um, it's boy. I mean, this is when you talk about the Big Twelve has all those teams from from Texas. You know, Texas, Texas Christian, Texas Tech, Baylor. Um, and none of them is probably going to regionals. That's amazing. That is really amazing. Texas A&M moving on to the Southeastern Conference, probably not going to get into regionals, 26 and 22. Uh, no, the, they're not getting it. If the Southland winner comes from, like, say, it was Central Arkansas, which has had the best RPI in that league, right? Yep. And at 43, 
say Central Arkansas wins that conference tournament, which, you know, you f- I feel bad for Central Arkansas with the season they've had to just scuffle in the league at 11 and 10. Just uh, bad timing <laughs> for the Bears. Um, uh, but what if, but, you know, if Oral Roberts is to win that tournament, I mean, uh, and they've got the best pitcher. Right. And they certainly, I know it hasn't been done in the Southland Conference, but they certainly have a history of being a good tournament team. Um, or, if, yep. or if Southeastern Louisiana wins, I mean, just it would just be amazing that the teams from the state of Texas, how how few representatives from, to me, uh, from a college baseball standpoint, you can make the case that the state of Texas is the best state for college baseball. You can make that case. Not this year, obviously. Yeah. Um, but historically, um, I think you can make that case with Texas's national championships, Rice. Uh, I mean, I would give the edge to California. But Texas is pretty doggone good, and just a just a brutal year. I, I would expect that uh, Governor Perry will in, institute some kind of investigation into the downfall <laughs> of college baseball in the in the state of Texas. Aaron, uh, we did mention Conference USA here real quick, also with regard to Rice. WTF with the with Conference USA? This is a league that's uh, you know that's had such a changing membership over the years. Um, but in baseball, and when they came to this current membership. I've ta- I remember talking. I know you've had this conversation with Rick Jones, Wayne Graham, all the coaches in that league between Southern Miss, Rice, Tulane, all have been to Omaha, Omaha in the last decade. Uh, Houston's been a good program. East Carolina's been a good program. Florida's been a good program. Marshall's having a, a good year by its standards. Um, with Aaron Blair going to get drafted high this year. Uh, Memphis has been solid over the years. But uh, this is just a brutal year in this league. Is there any way this is more than a one-bid league? I guess someone else other other than Rice wins the conference yeah. tournament, right? That's the answer. You're not going to get more than one at-large bid in Conference USA. You know, and for a while, I, I was kind of bullish on Southern Miss's chances. I thought the RPI would come up more than it has. And then this weekend, they, they lose a series to ECU. So I already, I already had kind of downgraded them right. um, as, an, as an at-large team. But, you know, I... Still thought maybe if they win out and you know play well in the conference tournament maybe, um, but you know they they're shot now after losing that series to ECU they need the automatic bid, um, you know they're the only other team Rice is the only team in the top 40 in the RPI in that league, um, and I think they're also the only team in the top 50 Rice is number 37 and Houston is uh, 54. That's so there amazing. You go. I mean that is amazing. <laughs> It is amazing, and and Houston, of course, you know, had for a while we thought they'd be an at-large team, um, and then they hit the skids there, starting with that Seton, like starting starting really with the Marshall series back in early April. Yeah, uh, they lose to Seton Hall the following weekend. They lose to Rice. They lose to UCF. Get swept at UCF. Finally, this weekend and a, a big week for Houston to kind of bounce back. They they take a road series at Tulane and, and a midweek win at Louisiana Lafayette, which is a, a good win. Um, but I still think it's too little too late for them. I mean, they're, they're still alive. They're in the fifties. They need to finish strong. Um, uh, I'm not really, I'm not a believer. Speaking of too little, too late, East Carolina, my preseason Omaha sleeper, 11 and four in its last 15 games, you know, they're 11 and four since losing an NC state on April 9th. Um, and they've won four straight, uh, conference USA series. And you look at their losses in Conference USA since then. Three of them are—they're all—they have three Conference USA losses since. They're all by one run. Maybe if they sweep that series at Tulane and win that five-four game. Maybe if they win that game, that Friday game at Memphis, they lost six-five. Maybe if they win that ten-nine game, they lost this weekend to Southern Miss. And they're number seventy-three in the RPI. Maybe East Carolina would have made that that run. And their last four losses in Conference USA play are all by one run because the last game of their Rice series. They also lost. And then at Houston, they lost two one-run games. I mean, definitely some what-ifs for the Pirates this year. 
But uh, and, and they're sitting here two and eleven against the top fifty. They just haven't beaten. That's it. The good teams on their schedule. That's it. No, that's exactly it. And uh, you know, you're gonna have to kind of look in the mirror on that one uh, when the year is over. But uh, tough year for the Pirates. Aaron, I also thought we would touch on uh, a couple of other of the quote-unquote mid-major conferences. And we actually also uh, – yeah, was, our, and, was and, it our first ticket punched in the – not a mid-major, but a small conference. Our first conference, uh, right. 64-team uh, ticket punched this weekend with an upset in the Ivy League. Yeah, it was, Columbia. And actually, you know, Columbia, uh, as it turned out yeah, – I guess it wasn't an upset. You know, had, had, they, they, were, they were hosting this thing. They finished with a, a one-game better record than Dartmouth overall. But Dartmouth is still the – you know, the, the kind of the team that has been the – power in the Ivy League over the last half decade. Uh, I think they had been to five straight Ivy Championship Series, and of course they, they've you know, been to regionals, and um, they were the preseason pick and the defending champion, um, you know, and Columbia swept them, and, and this is, you know, this Columbia team, um, you know, exacting a little bit of revenge for, for 2010. This current senior class at Columbia was, was beaten by Dartmouth, I believe, in the 2010 Ivy Championship. Um, so, you know, they, they, now they they got to get back there as an extra inning game in the first game of that doubleheader on Saturday. And then they you know, they broke it open late in the second game. But, um, you know, Columbia's got... They got a little pitching. We'll write about more about them in, in three strikes this weekend. But you know, they they got some pitching with, with David Spear, who's had a really good year for them, and you know, Joey Lino and Tim Geal, kind of a, a quality rotation. Uh, they got a few different guys in the bullpen. They're a little deeper in, in the pen than they have been in the past, and uh, and they got a, a real difference maker in Alex Black. I mean, that's kind of the guy for them. He's their two-way guy. Leads them in home runs and hitting, and right. you know, he's also he can run up there into the low 90s off the mound, and uh, he's got some say four saves back there. So um, he's 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 a really, I think, a really good player. Um, but you know, c- congratulations to the Lions. I'll give both. I'll give a little kudos. This is a different. It's a different market, but they're showing attendance of 9.52 uh, at uh, Columbia. That's pretty good for an Ivy League game, is it not? Sure, I agree. I can't, I yeah. can't remember seeing a thousand people there. And also, Columbia with a really cool story of uh, with uh, Joey Falcone, the son of ex-big leaguer Pete Falcone, who's what a 26-year-old. He's a two-time um, was it a, uh, he's a, was a, either a Marine or an army corpsman. So a me- medical officer, uh, depl- went on two tours. Uh, we're in two wars. He took two tours. I don't think either of us, Aaron can imagine what he saw with his own eyes in combat. Um, yeah. and as a medical, as a, as a medical person, a medical serviceman in combat zones like that, and just, uh, what he must've seen and gone through. And uh, this guy's come back. He's got five home runs. He's been a, a, a little, giving them some some thump in the middle of the lineup behind Alex Black. I think Columbia is a neat story, and I feel bad for Dartmouth because they've been so consistent. But this is the way the Ivy League does it. And uh, you know, so kudos to uh, Coach Benetti and, and the Columbia Lions and uh, New York City represented. So more teams, possible more teams, as many teams from New York City as from the whole state of Texas in the NCAA, in NCAA regionals, which is just crazy. Uh, Aaron, a couple other mid-major. Uh, how, go ahead. I'm sorry. How about, how about uh, you mentioned your Omaha sleeper before. How about my Omaha sleeper? New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico now clinching the, the Mountain West Conference. And, and I should add here, this is a good time to, to say that I think my crystal ball picks are, in general, across the board, looking better than yours because um, I, I, feel, I feel pretty good about my, my player of the year pick with Chris Bryant. Uh, and I feel pretty good about my freshman of the year pick with Alex Bregman. So I'm just going to throw that year? up Who there. Who was my player of the year pick? Colin oh, Moran. Uh, was it Moran? I think it was probably Moran. I, I feel terrible about that pick. He, he only leads the yeah. country and runs in RBIs. <laughs> you know, the number one team in the country. That's horrible. He's a, he's a pretty good player. Who was your pitcher of the year? 
uh, we both had Radon for that, and you had Mikey White for freshman. So, oh, so uh, you know, it, it, Mikey White's been he's come on lately, but he's not he's, he's not Alex Bregman. He is not Alex Bregman. Not offensively, <laughs> not defensively. He is not Alex Bregman. Bregman had a great uh, scout comment the other day about Alex Bregman, where he said he's like a forty or fifty runner, depending <laughs> on the day. So you can probably say a fifty runner, but it's like seven range. You know, you usually don't see guys who are average or fringy runners at shortstop who have tremendous range. But he said Alex Bregman does. That's instincts. That's playability. Um, just a difference maker for LSU. Aaron, that's as good a uh, segue as any that we're going to get to the SEC, which it's a Baseball America college podcast with Aaron Fitt and John Manuel. There has to be some SEC talk. Uh, it kind of a chalk week in the Southeastern Conference, Aaron. I guess the big takeaways are South Carolina fans, let not your heart be troubled. We uh, – <laughs> We didn't, we didn't move them up last week. We didn't move them down this week. They stay uh, at 15 in the rankings. But got to be a little disappointing, I think, for the uh, fighting Holbrooks for uh, for South Carolina to lose that both games to Vanderbilt. Uh, and Vanderbilt, Aaron, I think, I mean, just Zomek and Beattie. Those guys are just they're just machines. Uh, you know, Is there any chink in the armor for Vanderbilt? Is there any weakness you see to this team? No. No, I really don't. I mean – the the questions that we had, the few questions we had about this team in the preseason, and there weren't many because we almost ranked in preseason number one. Um, you know, the, the 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 starters needed to prove themselves. They had the talent, and they needed to live up to it. And mission accomplished. I mean, Zomek and BD have been fantastic all year long. Um, and you know, the bullpen is so deep, and the lineup is powerful and fast, and they play defense. They do everything. I mean, I think Vince Vince. Condi has, has handled the. That to me was the other key thing was yeah. the shortstop position. Yeah. Um, you know, the left side of the infield in general, and and you know Vince Condi at shortstop has been the answer. He's been really good for them. They really like him. Um, so you know, no, there's no chink in the armor. I think they're they're really good. And I don't think we need to spend a you know a ton of time talking about right. the SEC, right. but um, because you know I, we certainly we've talked a lot about that league all year. But it's but you're right. I mean, it's it's that was a notable series. I mean, for Vanderbilt to be 21 and two right now, still it's still pretty mind boggling. Yeah, I just want to hit a couple of high notes, and to me, that's one of them. Another one would be talking about the uh, Magnolia State a little bit, um, Mississippi and Mississippi State. We talked about those teams a lot this year, but uh, Ole Miss, Aaron. Maybe the least impressive 12 and 12 SEC team in recent, <laughs> at least this year, they certainly are. And Mississippi State, how much does their sweep of Alabama hurt Alabama's chances at being a regional club? It feels like Alabama's still in that mix, but it certainly doesn't help anything, does it? No, they're they're fine though. I think. I mean, they're still in the you know the high 30s in the RPI, and um, you know they're close to 500 in the league at 11 and 12. I kind of thought. Um, they needed to get to 13 wins, maybe 14 for, for an at-large. And, you know, they've got Missouri coming in this week. It's a series they should win. Uh, you know, Missouri's 14-28. and 28. So if you win that series, you're up to 13 wins. If you take two out of three, if you sweep it, then you're up to 14 wins. And then I think you're really in. Um, and, and, you know, with Vanderbilt coming up the last weekend, you probably, you know, I, I imagine they're going to get swept at Vanderbilt because I think Vanderbilt's really <laughs> Good uh, and, and better than Alabama, but you never know. They could win a game there. Um, but you know, I, I still think Alabama's in pretty good shape. I think I think um, you know Mississippi State needed this. That was a big road sweep for them to kind of help their their hosting chances. And Ole Miss, you know, it's amazing. You're right. They're 12 and 12 in the league. They're they're still in the top 20 in the RPI, and and yet it feels like this is a team that's not really in the hosting mix anymore. They've just really scuffled in the second half. Um, you know, they they've 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 taken care of business. They did sweep Tennessee. They swept Alabama. Uh, um, you know, they they 
And before, I mean, but other than that, I mean, really, those are the two series that are kind of propping them up. Yeah, that's what's, uh, that's they, the they word. Lost home series to. Yeah, that's the word, Aaron. To me, these neither of these teams, Alabama <laughs> and Ole Miss, they're going to get in. I, I I understand they're going to get in, but so here's Alabama's series. They won two games at home against Texas A&M, and uh, they won two out of three at Auburn, and they swept Georgia at Georgia. They won two out of three against Tennessee. But every other series against a, their other big win is winning two out of three at Florida Atlantic. And let's give them credit. That's a good series win. They went on the road and won, you know, two out of three low-scoring games at, uh, you know, at Florida Atlantic. For the weekend, they outscored Florida Atlantic 9-7. to seven. So, welcome to the new college baseball. But series loss at home to Tulane, swept at Louisville, uh, you know, lost at home to Arkansas, swept at Ole Miss, uh, lost to, I guess they beat LSU, so winning one game there. But this, anytime they played a good team, they, so they really need, in my mind, they need to sweep Missouri. I would, if I were them, I'd feel like you need to sweep Missouri or at least win that series. Because oh, yeah. I just don't feel like you want to be at 30 or 31 wins overall and just leave it. Just, that's just awfully close. And the, the Missouri the Missouri series is a must win. If they don't win that series, I don't think they get in. I agree. Um, I agree completely. And then, and then Ole Miss, <clears> I mean, again, this is a team that when they've played better teams outside of sweep at Alabama and Tennessee, you know, what's... And, and winning two out of three at Arkansas. They won two out of three at Arkansas. That, Let's not forget. I, I'm not forgetting, but like since then... Do they have another series win? Those are the only two series they've won. That's it. And, right, yeah. I mean, and Kentucky's that, trending well, down. Auburn's not good. It's just a very underwhelming resume. I know you have to take the whole totality of it. I get it. But, boy, the trend there is is pretty bad. For me, the top five teams in the SEC are real easy. I mean, Vanderbilt and LSU are clearly 1-2. It's not close to me. They're on a pedestal. Then South Carolina, Arkansas, Mississippi State. You know, Arkansas is third in that. I think I, I think I think they're the third best team. They certainly aren't a juggernaut. Uh, they just you mean you know, they have some flaws. All three of those teams have some flaws. But I mean, like, I guess Florida is the next team. Florida or Ole Miss. But I mean, I don't feel great about any uh, uh, SEC team other than those those top five. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, uh, Kentucky has certainly been exposed, um, and that was a team that I liked a lot earlier in the season. Um, you know, Ole Miss has been exposed. I mean, these yeah. are Ole Miss lost five. You lost lose five out of eight conference series. Um, you know, I know the SEC is tough, but that's the thing about the SEC this year is that it has, you know, it has that that soft underbelly that you can pad your record against and prop yourself up because if you're playing against the other teams that's good enough to help you you're playing lsu and if you get swept it's going to help you in the rpi right um and then you can pad your record by you know by taking care of business against the tennessees and the georgias and the auburns um so you know it's it's it it kind of helps that league um you know i think they're they're going to send nine teams to regionals assuming alabama does what it needs to do this weekend against missouri right but that doesn't mean I'm necessarily impressed with those teams, those six through nine teams. I'm not yep. really. I'll tell you, Auburn is going to be kicking itself because it, uh, they finally they, they win that series against Ole Miss. I, I feel like Auburn's kicking itself because they won that series at Texas A&M. They have a couple of decent series on the resume, but losing a series at Missouri, I know that was rain interrupted and a, a tough rain series. Then losing at home to Alabama, your big in-state rival, uh, but you were at home. You know they didn't sweep Georgia. Uh, it's just going to be kicking. It feels like Auburn's a team that could have snuck in uh to regionals any of these teams it's just a game here or there because you know that eight or nine teams from your league are going to get in but I, I do feel like the overall conference rpi is really going to be hurt by those three bottom feeders in the sec east which of course it's always hilarious to me that missouri 
because in the SEC East, uh, it's hard for me to to get to get past that point. Um, right. Speaking of teams trending down, Aaron, do we want to talk anything about Georgia Tech at all this week? Losing to Coastal Carolina in a weekend series. I mean, how does that affect the ACC yeah. from a tournament? Uh, you know, from a a stock report standpoint. I mean, is is that team is Georgia Tech in, in danger of not making it to regionals? I mean, could they lose a spot to say? Miami, considering that Miami did sweep St. John's this weekend, so at least their overall record looks a little better? I mean, right now, I still have both those teams in, probably. Um, I still think it's an eight-bid league, but Georgia Tech is certainly trending in the wrong direction. Um, you know, that's obvious. This has been a really a real meltdown in the second half of the season, starting really with that, that I guess, the Duke series yeah. um, that they lost on the road, and they, the offense hadn't been the same since. I mean, they're not scoring runs the way they used to score runs. Um, and this weekend they, they scored four runs and then four runs and then eight runs and, and lost in that Sunday game because their pitching is, eh, I mean, you know, it's just up and down. I mean, you never know what, you know, Cole Pitts could give you a great start on Sunday or he could get shelled. Um, you know, Farmer even has, has not been as good as he was early. Right. Um, he was you know, better this weekend, but he hasn't been tremendous. Yeah, and their defense is, is I don't trust at all. They make too many errors. They make it at the wrong time. They make boneheaded plays. Um, I just, I, I just, I'm not impressed. And, you know, and, and, and I thought, I, hey, I admit it. I bought in on this team early in the season. I thought this team was for real this time. I mean, I thought, you know, you look at their roster, their, their lineup, one through nine, and you're thinking, man, these guys, they're experienced, they're they're physical, they're powerful, they beat you with speed, they can beat you with a lot of different ways. Um, and and it's just more of the same. It's Georgia brutal. Tech. It's brutal, it's man. Just, it is brutal. You uh, want to try to make excuses, and not you, but I mean in general. And I mean, their talent is, they're going to have what? How many guys did I have in the top uh, 200 for them the other day? Five? Uh, Kyle Rand was just on Farmer. the Kyle, Kyle Rand was close, but Farmer, Thomas, Evans, Palka, and... Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Evans would probably be in both as a pitcher and as a hitter if you could split him into two players. Um, and Kyle Wren's not far off. But uh, the most inexplicable series of, of of all this, out of all of it, is that they won two out of three at home against Virginia. It seemed like they were riding the ship, even though they didn't score in that right. series. You're like, well, they battled. You had to give them credit. They kind of battled in that. But, boy, since then, swept at home by NC State, swept uh, two out of three, lost at Clemson, and then to lose at home to, to Coastal. And now, you know, they've got North Carolina. I I just wonder, Aaron, if that last series at Miami, if that might not be like a loser does not get in. Um, let's let's say Georgia Tech gets swept this weekend by North Carolina. Which is very I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> I think it's reasonable. Yeah, to but expect. but it's but it's in Atlanta, and historically, that's you know, place Tar Heels has struggled. UNC is coming off the exam break now. You never true. know. Maybe there's who knows. But I mean, uh, on the other hand, Georgia. Tech has to go to Ohio State midweek and play two games, so um, that's gonna, you know, I think that'll deplete them a little bit heading into this big series. Not not great timing for that that trip, I think. But uh, let's say Georgia Tech gets swept, they're 12 and 15 in the league, then that Miami series becomes a must win. And you know, I, I still think if they get to 14 wins in the league, they're probably okay. Um, but you know, this is it's become a lot closer than I. Th- thought it would be and and you know Miami's case they're at Wake Forest this weekend certainly that's a must win series I think they're they're at 11 wins in the league again I think I think 14 is kind of that real magic number if you can be at least 14 and 16 with a good RPI in ACC then I think you're probably still going to get in so crazy question to wrap this up (laughs) uh 
does Maryland if Maryland's Maryland's got this doubleheader today at Clemson with the rape right. the rain that's played havoc with that series. If Maryland sweeps that, I'm just playing hypothetical. I don't think Maryland will. But then they have right. Boston College at home. Maryland's RPI is 21. So if Maryland just, yeah. I'm just thinking, I mean, if they sweep those five games, they get to 14 and 16 in ACC play. Or what? What if they go four and one? If they're 13 and 17 in the league, with about 31, 32, 33 wins, I guess. Does Maryland have an at-large bid shot at the expense of Miami or Georgia Tech? Is that possible, or am I crazy? Yeah, I, t- I tweeted about this yesterday about this possibility. You know, watch out because all of a sudden, you look up and and. This team, Maryland, has has not won series this year. Oh, They've lost two or three to Virginia Tech. They lost two or three to Miami. They lost two or three to North Carolina. Lost two or three to North Carolina State. They lost two or three to Wake Forest, Florida State, Virginia. They lost every ACC series this year until Duke. this past weekend against Duke, uh, at Duke. And then now if they can win this Clemson series. Maybe they win the Boston College series. Look, the committee. I don't think the committee cares if you win series. I don't think they look at that I, uh, I, the way you and I do. If we were building, or, or the way coaches do, which is the crazy thing. Coaches, yeah. coaches I mean, look at that. Winning series, I'm telling you, that's what it's all about. You got to win two out of three. You win two out of three, you can get all the way to Omaha. You know, I mean, it's 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 the it's, way the postseason is structured. It's the way the regular season is structured. So it's just so much. It is in, in, integral to college baseball. It is inherent to success in college baseball is the ability to win series, and I think you're right. The co- the committee doesn't even seem like they look at it. And so, if Maryland, I agree with you. If they, if let's say they get to 13 or 14 wins in the league with a strong RPI, yeah, I think they got a chance. Um, I don't think they deserve to get in with <laughs> with a resume that includes series losses to everybody they played until the last couple of weeks. I think you're right. Um, but but I, yeah, I think they got a chance, and you know, I mean, just the fact that they went to LSU and got swept in the first weekend helps their RPI. No doubt. Um, you know, I mean, it, and and for me, that's not enough. It's not enough to play good teams. I want to see you win series against good teams, and they haven't. But uh, if they win one this weekend, then that'll be finally a feather in their cap, and then they'll be in the discussion. Spoken like a true Padawan learner. I don't want to just you said it just like I don't want to see you just play teams. You need to beat good teams. Don't just play them. Show me you can beat them. You know, and, they really haven't. And, done and that. for the and, and the best thing that they've got going for them is they haven't gotten swept very much. And they got swept by North Carolina. Yep, that's uh, it. And I think, I think that's it. I mean, they've been they've managed to at least win one game against Virginia and Florida State and North Carolina State and Miami and Virginia Tech. So that's it. They, that's something going. They're only they've been swept twice by the number one and number three teams in our rankings, and which I think are also one and three in the RPI. Are they not North Carolina and LSU? So I think that's about right. So, I mean, uh, so kudos. To, I, I do think John Sheff, the coach of Maryland, is in a nice job. Aaron, that's our segue to what we're going to talk about on today's Google Plus Hangout. If you're listening to this podcast probably after the live Hangout, go back and watch the Hangout. We're talking college coach of the year candidates. I don't think John Sheff's necessarily a candidate for coach of the year nationally. I do think he is one in the ACC. I don't think he'll win it. But I think he's in a real nice job. But uh, Fitzy, great job on the podcast. I think you may have won today's podcast, Aaron. So, I win every podcast, Johnny. I don't know about that, Fitzy. It's a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a high bar you're setting there. I do want to remind people that the season's prod podcast is sponsored by Project Lomo. Logan Morrison of the Miami Marlins lost his dad to cancer in 2010 and has worked tirelessly for a cause he cares about, fighting lung cancer. Now he's asking young fans to find a cause they care about and do something about it. Last Wednesday, Logan visited Miami High School to officially launch the program and address an audience of more than 300 students. You can learn about it at projectlomo.mlblogs.com. 
It's a really great initiative, and the young fans that do the most amazing projects will have a chance to go to a Marlins game, meet Logan Morrison and some of his teammates, throw out the first pitch, and win $1,000. It is a truly a worthy cause, and we're really excited to have Project Lomo sponsor this year's podcast. And that's, once again, projectlomo.mlblogs.com. So for Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on next week's Baseball America College podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.